Grace to you and peace from God our Father and from our Lord and our Savior, Jesus Christ. Amen. It was good to get away for a couple of weeks. I'm so grateful for our congregation, for for you all. We have something very unique going on at St. John's in Orange. And it's not just unique for the Lutheran Church Missouri Synod. It's unique throughout North American Christianity. We've got a church that's on the move. We've got a church that's engaged in the community. We've got a church of people that care for each other. We've got a church that's growing not just at the edges, but growing at the center, getting deeper while getting wider at the same time. Last weekend, I was in rural America, and rural America is a different thing than it was 30 years ago. The farmsteads are huge. The amount of acreage under till by one farmer is north of 5,000 acres. And they're corporate farms. And there's few, if any, little churches in the middle of nowhere where a family has 10 kids and there's four of those families and 70 people gathered in the middle of a cornfield to give thanks and praise to God. It's just not that way anymore. And so we worshiped at Zion Lutheran Church in Morris, Minnesota, and there's something warm and homey and beautiful about that. It's, it's fun to sit next to my 83-year-old father-in-law because he sings so nice. As we finished church there, as I mentioned earlier, you were beginning church here, and Pastor Stottero and the bell and Micah, and, 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 and I caught the... I, I caught the reading of the names, and I don't know if you felt like I did, but the, the reading of the names was extensive, and there's some of those that you connect to. You say, yeah, I knew that person, I knew that person, and then there's some you say, well, I have no idea who that person is, but we love them and care for them because they're part of the body of Christ. And so Micah read four names, and I had done each one of those funerals, and I thought, Wow. One was my dear friend, Norm Amley, a pastor's best friend. <laughs> Norm, very, very sick, would still come to worship very, very early, and <laughs> he always put his arm around me and said, Pastor, how you, how you doing? And it wasn't the kind of superficial, oh, how you doing? It was always this heartfelt, deeply rooted St. John's Orange kindness, always full of encouragement. And then Micah read the name of Lauren Polos. Lauren was a young woman, 36 years old, who died of just absolutely horrific circumstances. As a matter of fact, the last time I traveled, I I left and visited her the the morning before I left, and, and then I came back and she was still alive, and her mother was just beside herself. And then the Lord took that young woman She had gone to school here, had went to Orange Lutheran, had kind of lost her way, and and we led her back to the hope and promises of Jesus the weeks before she died. See, it's stuff of the heart. It's it's stuff of the heart. It's not about filling in space in the calendar. It's about the heart, the heart of a congregation, the the heart of God, the, the heart of people. The heart that's been molded and formed and shaped by the word and promises of God. That's that's what we're all about. And it's unique. And I don't know about you, but I'm more energized now 
than I was 20 years ago. I'm 20 years older. I'm going on 60 next year. A lot of sharp edges have been rounded off in those 60 years. But the enthusiasm of what God is doing here in St. John's Orange, a heart of a congregation that loves, that gives unselfishly, that comes around families at times of distress, that's what you're all about. And I'm grateful to be both a part of this ministry and to lead this ministry. But most of all, I'm grateful for your heart and for the joyful work we do together. It's of the heart. It's heartfelt. And we know that and we sense that Especially as we come to Matthew chapter 6, verse 19 to 24. Jesus in the Sermon at the Mount is talking about the heart. And we want to talk about that the next three weeks as we get into it over November and thinking about gratitude. Gratitude is a function of the heart. You may make a list and check down it, but gratitude is really a demonstration of where your heart is pointed and what fills your heart. And so we're going to look towards Thanksgiving in the weeks ahead. And we're going to look back at the innumerable blessings of 2023. And there's going to be people who are going to say, I'll be so glad when 2023 is over. And that's okay. But the reality is that we are a blessed people. And in that sense of blessing from God, there's a sense of gratitude that moves our hearts. And so from that text, from Matthew chapter 6, which is in your bulletin, I'd like to make three points that that Jesus makes in this Sermon on the Mount. The first is the idea of storing up the right treasures. The second idea is, is, is where our eyes are, whether they are diseased or healthy. And the third is the duty of a slave to the master. Now in the Sermon on the Mount, Jesus has already taught through a whole bunch of things. He's gone through things that are relatively theological. He's, he's, he's painting the way the kingdom works and the way the kingdom thinks and how the people of God, life and worldview is completely distinct from the basic worldview of the time. And so he checks prayer, fasting, all the pieces of life. And then in Matthew chapter 6, verse 19, Jesus says these words. Do not store up for yourselves treasures on earth where moths and vermin destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but store up for yourselves treasures in heaven where moths and vermin do not destroy and where thieves do not break in and steal. For where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. And the truism that Jesus gives in this is that external choices reveal an internal spiritual condition. I love that. External choices reveal an internal spiritual condition. And every Christian deals with that. Where's your heart? Where's your heart today? What's the circumstance of your life? And it's interesting preaching this text in 2023 in Orange County, California, because the original hearers of this had infinitely less money and stuff than we have today. All of humanity, not just Christians, although Christians in a unique way, 
But all humanity deals with this, that what we do on the outside reveals the spiritual condition of the inside. And we want to have comfortable lives. I want to have comfortable lives. I've got the most comfortable pair of shoes on today that you could ever imagine. I don't wear uncomfortable shoes or wear uncomfortable clothing to somehow prostrate myself before the Lord and suffer in the name of Jesus. No. We want to be, I want to be comfortable. And we want to have a good return, our investments of work, of effort. Get something good back for the work that we offer. Jesus warns his disciples then, and he warns us today through this word, that we don't store up for ourselves treasures that are susceptible to decay, devaluation, and dissolution. And all things that are considered earthly treasure are subject to decay, devaluation, and dissolution. So then we beg a larger question. What does investing in heaven look like? Well, it, it, it's when we realize one step higher than stuff. We understand our connection to God through faith in Jesus Christ. It's that singularity of heart. By faith we acknowledge that our lives and the sufficiency of our lives rest in the Lord Jesus if our identity and who we are rests in what we have and what we can possess, then we are in deep trouble because that's going to ebb and flow with economics, politics, and just life in general. But rather than purchasing a name or a label for ourselves, Jesus died for us and put his name, his label on our hearts, attaching himself to us in our baptism. So we don't have to walk around wondering if we have the right stuff on, if we have the right label, if we have the right, the right ancestry. Rather, we store up treasures in heaven, acknowledging that our lives and the sufficiency of our lives rest in the Lord. Storing up treasures in heaven puts a focus on our relationship with God. And it's that that makes us resilient it's that which allows us in a year of great up and downs to maintain a focus on the Lord. Storing up treasures on earth is never going to be enough. And it's not about the amount. There's not a threshold where Jesus says, if you just get to a million bucks, everything will be fine. We know human nature better than that. You get that million, you need another million and another and another and another. No. Jesus says, where your treasures are, there your heart will be also. The focus on things that matter and the focus on eternal things, that's what it means to store up treasures in heaven. And then Jesus goes on to teach a little further. And, and, and this is fascinating. He, he talks about diseased or healthy eyes. And I love that. Jesus says, the eye is the lamp of the body. If your eyes are healthy, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eyes are unhealthy, your whole body will be full of darkness. If then the light within you is darkness, how great is that darkness? Whenever I go to the eye doctor, he says, what do you need? <laughs> and I go, doctor, it's your job to tell me what I need. And he goes, well, every time he says, well, you're close. 
but you need a little more magnification. You say, well, thank you, that's great, right? My eyes, my eyesight, like this, I can see you beautifully, but I can't see you all. But with these marvelous progressive lenses, I can see everybody and y'all and even see the people in the balcony enough to see Roger and Mitch and Nobby and Rose and Lorna with her glasses and hat on, right? Our eyes, healthy eyes. Jesus talks here about healthy eyes. And it goes back to a Hebrew proverb from Proverbs 28 and another Hebrew proverb from Proverbs 22. Diseased eyes, Solomon speaks of in this way, Proverbs 28, 22. The stingy are eager to get rich and are unaware that poverty awaits them. And the word for stingy has to do with the way we see and the weakness of vision, the weakness of our eyes. And then twisting again from Proverbs 22, healthy eyes. Whoever has a bountiful eye, whoever has a healthy eye will be blessed for he shares his bread with the poor. Brilliant. Thank you, Dr. Gibbs, for the Concordia commentary. Would have never thought of that myself, but Dr. Gibbs led me to that this morning. Maybe Dr. Elliot could do the same thing with a little bit of Hebrew, but the contrast here between Proverbs 28, a stingy eye, and Proverbs 22 of a bountiful eye is the idea of generosity. It's interesting. Some people have an eye that's kind of stingy, and, and, and in their vision, they, they're focused on what others have or maybe what they have in comparison to others. And others have a bountiful eye. They say, how can I bless somebody else? What does it look like to share my bread with the poor? The moral is about the contrast, not about the amount. It's about perspective. Some are with weak vision, always leveraging, trying to gain an advantage, always trying to gain a little bit more for themselves than they're giving away or serving other people, always eyeing the deal. Jesus says here in Matthew 6, wait a minute, you've been given so much, be generous on every occasion. How do we look for ways to be generous? How do we cast our eyes upon our relationships with other people and be givers with strong vision towards generosity rather than weak vision of gaining advantage for ourselves? Our congregation took a remarkable step under Ron the Beck's leadership about 10 years ago, and we had received a, a, a an unbelievable gift. It was a gift that was transformational for our ministry. We paid off all our debt. We, we, we did, and, and our trustees, the leadership of our congregation, they said, what does it look like for us as trustees to be generous with the funds of St. John's Lutheran Church? We have a policy in place that says we tithe on every unrestricted gift that comes in to the congregation. And our congregation ties on the general fund. Now, when I say tithe, I don't mean we write a little check that's a token amount. I mean, if we receive a $200,000 unrestricted gift, $20,000 goes to help something outside of St. John's in Orange. And since we've had an eye towards that generosity, we really haven't had a lot of want in our congregation. 
I was so pleased as the House of Ruth for Family Promise of Orange County opened up, how prominent our name was in that, and yet how humble and how quiet our people were who helped provide over half a million dollars to make that marvelous place an oasis for those who are homeless in Orange County, working to get rid of family homelessness. I love that. St. Paul says you've been enriched in every way so that you can be generous on every occasion. Diseased or healthy eyes. I would offer that you have very healthy eyes because you look through the cross of Jesus. And the last little piece here, the duty of a slave. Jesus continues teaching, no one can serve two masters, either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and mammon. Can't serve two masters, that's true. There's not two leaders of a company. There's not two kings of England. There's not two presidents of the United States. There's one undivided leader in our lives, and that's the Lord God Almighty. And what Jesus teaches here is there's there's a distinction between owned by our stuff and owning our stuff. He uses the word mammon, and, and, and it's a poor translation to use the word money. It's a better translation to use the word mammon, because mammon is this kind of surreal way of wanting to hoard and hang on to material things. See, there's nothing wrong with having money. If there is, then we are in deep trouble. But rather, it's the perspective, as I said earlier. There's nothing wrong with having money and nice things. And I'm glad that's true, because we have a lot, I have a lot. But it's more than possible to own a lot and be owned by God first. That's the deal. The primary focus of our lives is not stuff, but the primary focus of our life is that we are slaves having been purchased in the blood of Jesus. That's the deal. That's how the deal works. We don't serve stuff. We manage stuff. We steward stuff. But we are identified by God. And the idea of purchase is powerful. It, it's, it's, if what we can buy owns us, then what a small life. Life is now not tied to eternity if our things own us. If our whole lives are focused in how we manage all the stuff we got, then life is not then uniquely deep and meaningful because we can't purchase our way to peace with God. We are slaves of the Lord. How do we do this and what does this look like? Last week, my wife and I spent Tuesday night in Flagstaff, Arizona. I grew up in Flagstaff. In my confirmation class, I believe Jim Meyer has like 46 in our confirmation class this year. I had two. (laughs) And I learned that small catechism. My father's sitting on my chest with a stick saying, learn it, memorize it, do it. And we had to do all our memory work now, right? It, 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 and it was no crow fudging on that. You had to know it. Why? I couldn't stand doing it myself when I was in eighth grade. 
but now I treasure those pieces of God's word that reside in my heart. People say, Pastor, how can you pull this scripture out? I said, well, be a pastor 30 years, grow up in a pastor's home, and you'll have that reservoir of God's word in your, in your heart. In a few moments, we're going to confess the Apostles' Creed. And the second article of that creed begins with, I believe in Jesus Christ. And then Dr. Luther wrote his explanation. And I just want to share that with you as I draw this message to an end. What does this mean? I believe that Jesus Christ, true God, begotten of the Father from eternity, and also true man, born of the Virgin Mary, is my Lord who has redeemed me, a lost and condemned creature, purchased and won me from death and from the power of the devil, not with gold or silver, but with his holy precious blood and with his innocent suffering and death, that I may be his own and live under him in his kingdom and serve him in everlasting righteousness, innocence, and blessedness, just as he is risen from the dead, lives and reigns to all eternity. This is most certainly true. Luther's words are beautiful here. He uses words like purchase, redeem. He speaks of gold and silver, of precious blood and innocent suffering and death. The focus of life is not about storing up treasures here and now, but investing our lives in a way that leads to eternity. You are the Lord's. And life plays out in a way that is away from greed and points towards generosity. We have lives that have been purchased and won in the precious blood of Jesus. And it's Jesus that we serve. Mammon is going to come and go. And the things that fill our eyes are going to come and go and ebb and flow with the seasons and stages of life. But storing up treasures in heaven and holding on to the love of the Lord Jesus because of He has purchased and redeemed us leads to a meaningful, meaningful way of life. And it points us away from self and toward the giver of every good gift. Something to think about. Something to mull over in your heart as you prepare the marvelous Thanksgiving meal. As people gather around, perhaps happy with the previous year or angry with the previous year. The one thing that is certain is that we are owned of Jesus, which makes us strong putting our lives and feet on a foundation that will never, ever be shaken. In the name of Jesus, amen.